This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. And welcome back out of the bye week. As you can hear, I left my voice in the bye week uh, dealing with some laryngitis right now. Um, my my daughter likes to do this thing and bring me home gifts in the form of germs from her daycare. So uh, carrying that uh, into this game week to start, hopefully when you hear us on Thursday, it'll be better off. So going to be leaning a lot on my guy, Daniel Gallen, who actually attended a college football game on Saturday during the bye week. I want to talk about someone who loves college football. He was at the Red River rivalry watching Oklahoma get pasted by Texas. He didn't lose his voice. I did along the way somehow. Let's bring him in now because uh, you hear it. Our, our listeners here are going to be leaning on you a lot today, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Tyler. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you know, James Franklin said that he feels like Penn State came out of the bye pretty healthy. They're in a good spot. Can't say the same for, for Lions 24-7 right now. But you know, this is why we've got a team uh, time. You know, it's my, my time to step up a little bit uh, if, if people haven't been hearing enough of my voice yet this season. <laughs> well, yeah, podcasting injured a bit right now. We'll, we'll work our way through that. We did skip Monday because nothing was really coming out of this voice box. So we're with you on a Tuesday. We're fresh out of James Franklin's press conference. We've had four different player calls so far. So we're getting a semblance on how this program is reemerging at 5-0 and at number 10 in the country ahead of this portion of the schedule that we've been highlighting for a long time. Gets going Saturday at noon, number five, Michigan, unbeaten on the season, the defending Big Ten champions. We heard it from James Franklin, Daniel. We heard it from Sean Clifford this morning. There's a reason you come to Penn State. It's to play in games like this. Major opportunity presented uh, for these Nittany Lions, but also a major potential pitfall as their season really ramps up. It wasn't necess- it wasn't the most kind of subtle recruiting pitch out there for for what you can do if you come to Penn State uh, to to be in these types of opportunities. But yeah, it, the way that the schedule shapes up, um, you know, this is kind of a, a pivot point in the season, and it came up a couple times uh, in two of the last three seasons. Penn State has been in a similar position. Um, you know, just a couple days ago last year, Penn State was undefeated, uh, went to Iowa uh, to face an undefeated team. Uh, we all know who th- how that ended and what happened after that. Uh, and then you look three years ago in, in 2019, a little bit later in the season, but you've got that highly ranked Penn State team going out to Minnesota uh, in a big game, um, you know, for a team that had some Big Ten title aspirations. And and you saw how that ended uh, with, with a close loss. So I think Penn State is trying to buck some recent history um, when it comes to the stakes of these matchups. Um, but it's a game that I think there's just going to be a lot of curiosity around from a national perspective and even from the local perspective. Uh, Michigan had that really, really soft start to the season with its non-conference. 
um, and coming in Maryland, uh, Iowa, Indiana, not necessarily the, the easiest big 10 slate. All those teams can be pesky and annoying in their own ways, but um, none of the heavy hitters were in there. Um, and then you have Penn state where I think there's just kind of what we've talked about this whole season is that you've got to prove it. Um, maybe that maybe if Auburn uh, isn't what they are this year, the feelings could be a little bit different um, about Penn state. But I think especially after that Northwestern game, uh, you have kind of that general skepticism um, around Penn state and, and what they can do. So I think that there's a lot at stake in this matchup, you know, big picture, small picture, conference picture, national picture, college football playoff picture, even, um, and it, it should be fun. It's, it's making for, I think, an interesting week uh, to kick off a really interesting rest of the month. It's a, it's a pretty monster lineup for college football this weekend. Um, and, and this is the Big Ten Showcase. And whoever wins this game is going to be right there alongside Ohio State at the forefront of not just the pursuit of getting to Indianapolis as the Big Ten East representative, but as the representative from the Big Ten going to the college football playoff. And I think everyone kind of anticipates there will be at least one of those uh, coming out of this, uh, this season in conference championship action. So Penn State looking to thrust itself into that conversation, prove itself, as we've said, seven-point underdog. I thought that was a, a pretty significant line at this stage of the season based on what Penn State has accomplished. Um, last year, Penn State lost five games in conference action. Only one of them was by more than four points. They lost by nine points at Ohio State. The four other losses, Daniel, collectively by a 12-point margin. So, um, look, Michigan, uh, a seven-point favorite in this one. It just seems a little bit high unless there's something we don't know about the matchup uh, going into this one. Definitely. I, I was surprised to see that number two. Um, I think that especially when you look at last season, how even when Sean Clifford was was not playing at a high level, even when that run defense w- was getting gashed by, by Illinois and some other teams, Penn State was able to play teams tough and, and able to stay in close games. And I think that that's been a bit of a – for the most part, that's been something in the Franklin era that I think Penn State has been pretty good about, um, aside from a couple of Michigan games uh, over you know earlier in the tenure. Um, but I think that Penn State, I think that that number, it's big. I, th- I don't think Michigan is a touchdown better than Penn State. Um, I think that Michigan has the talent, but kind of like Penn State, there's just a lot of question marks. Um, you know, maybe Michigan has a couple more established players. I mean, Blake Corum is going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's going to be uh, a real handful for this Penn State defense. But then quarterback J.J. McCarthy, um, you know, he went to Iowa. You know, he was able to get he was able to get Michigan through what can be a house of horrors there. Um, and then I think on the defensive side, they've been able to keep their pass rush uh, playing at a high level. But when you lose talents like Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> like David Ajabo. Um, I mean, those guys don't grow on trees. Uh, you, It's tough to just kind of cycle guys in year after year like that. So I think that a lot of teams have a lot to prove um, from where we are right now. I don't think Michigan is a, is a touchdown better than Penn State, but we'll find out uh, on, on Saturday for sure. Considering the way these seasons went for these teams last year in October and November, you understand that there's some carryover effect of how they are viewed, the perception. Michigan has started off unbeaten through six games. They haven't had their bye week yet. That's coming next week. But let's face it, every squad is different. You can't really a- apply the Wolverine successes to this year. They are have carryover staff members. They have carryover players. But they've got to earn it all over again. And you kind of looked at the way they've earned it, getting to 6-0 and so far. 
um, they haven't really been tested. You know, they're, they're out of conference matchups. Um, I know Auburn ended up not being the, the tightly contested SEC battle that we all expected, but Penn State, to their credit, went down there and didn't let it get that way. Um, Michigan was favored by at least 31 points in all three of its non-conference games. They beat Colorado State 51 to seven. They beat UConn 59 to nothing, and they beat Hawaii 56 to 10. They've already got three Big Ten games under their belt. Um, they beat Iowa, as you mentioned, 27 to 14. Uh, they beat Maryland 34 to 27 when they were a 17 point favorite. And then last week, winning 31 to 10 against Indiana. Uh, they've got the bulk of their work to prove it still coming up. So I think that's important to note here. It's not like Penn State is encountering some kind of a buzzsaw program. While they are wearing the Big Ten uh, crown right now, I think a lot of folks want to see if Jim Harbaugh and company can duplicate that success with a new quarterback, a more dynamic quarterback. And on the flip side of this thing, Penn State trying to show that they are going to reverse course of what happened last year, um, going to 5-0 and and then seeing things fall apart when the schedule stepped up. Um, I, I think this is such a fascinating matchup, not just because of what these teams have done thus far, but because of the big test that they have coming up. And uh, it's one that I expect will look like uh, worthy of a showdown. I think both programs will play up to par. Uh, my question is, if, if whoever comes out of this one um, comes away with, with a, a commanding victory, then I think we probably got to recalibrate how that program is viewed in the national realm of things. When you talk about carryover from last year, I think that this game is a, is a really good example in terms of the polls. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who – Know, don't like the AP poll for whatever reason. You know, you know, they ignore the AP poll, coaches poll. I like them because I think that it's it's all a data point. Uh, it's all kind of monitoring perception. Um, but when you look at these two teams, you know, Penn State is down at number ten. Um, they've worked there from being unranked. Um, you know, they've kind of had the the longer road uh, to get to this point. Whereas Michigan started the year, um, you know, in the top ten hovering around that top five. They're at number five right now. They've been able to, to stay up there. Um, and, you know, you kind of wonder, okay, if if roles are reversed, if Penn State starts the season, you know, in the top 10, they're probably up higher uh, given what Michigan has, uh, you know, has played this year or who they haven't played. I think if they started the year unranked or a little bit further down, they would kind of be where Penn State is right now. So I think that this is kind of like you said, this is a big game for the the perceptions of these teams. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about the a lot about the Big Ten um, and kind of who the favorites are. Uh, Michigan State has played their way out of the conversation um, and it's left Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State as kind of the, the three teams uh, jockeying in the east. Um, and then I think that, you know, it, may, it might come down to the winner of this game and Ohio State um, based on how the schedules are set up and, you know, what we might expect from both of these teams down the stretch. So I think that it's a, it's a big game um, in a way it might, it might feel a little bit bigger than the Iowa game did last year, just given how the, the division set up across divisional game. Um, even though both of those teams, um, you know, were top five teams. Um, I think that this, the fact that it's an interdivisional game um, that, you know, this could go a long way towards who is in Indianapolis in December, uh, who could be playing in January, uh, I think that there's there's a lot there um, and there's really a lot to unpack when you look at both of these teams.
We'll do a lot more of that unpacking on a Thursday episode. Mark Brennan will rejoin us. We'll have our preview and predictions for the Penn State perspective of things. But we'll also have Zach Shaw on, who covers the Michigan Wolverines for 24-7 sports. So he'll give us a complete breakdown of what he's hearing, what he's seen in Ann Arbor leading up to this matchup. Um, let's focus in on Penn State, though, right now. Uh, we'll save this matchup for Thursday. Daniel, three and five out of the bye week is James Franklin during his tenure uh, with with Penn State. There were no, there was no bye week in 2020. Uh, there were two bye weeks, I believe, in 2019. Uh, so that adds up to eight. Uh, this will be his ninth opportunity to come out of a bye week as the Nittany Lions head coach, and that was asked about uh, during the course of his press conference, and and uh, it's come up in conversations the last couple of weeks, last 10, 11 days or so where people are kind of pointing to that record, pointing to some of the performances that they've come out with. And, and I can attest to some of them. They've come out flat out of the bye week at times, and it's cost them in games that they really should have been able to come away with a win. We saw it happen in an extremely, extremely depressing way for a lot of Penn State fans last year, losing at home against Illinois in an endless overtime game. What did you make of James Franklin's comments? Because it certainly sounded like he was well aware of what his record is to this point and well aware that some corrections maybe needed to be applied in the 2022 version of his Nittany Lions squad. James Franklin seemed very, very cognizant um, of that record coming off the bye week. Um, I think every once in a while in these press conference settings, just generally, uh, you can kind of tell, you know, which statistics or which talking points – a coach or a player has really has really thought about or really come prepared to answer. And I think the bye week was one of them. Um, you know, James Franklin said that they they did some things a little bit differently this year. Um, in the past, uh, that Thursday practice was traditionally for the developmental squad players, um, you know, more opportunities for the younger guys. Um, Franklin said that that was more of a practice for the starters, um, that they that they did a little bit more. Um, that it was a little bit more of an, an official practice for those guys. Um, and I think that that was something as an attempt to keep those guys sharp, um, you know, to try to avoid coming out flat. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, I think that you want to see coaches, you want to see players, um, you want to see programs be able to adjust um, to how things have gone. Um, and I think that James Franklin kind of acknowledging um, that, yeah, he's aware that there have been some struggles uh, at this point, um, you know, he's doing they're trying something different. They're trying something new to change it. Um, and I think if, if you're a fan, uh, that's that's what you want to see um, from our perspective. You know, hearing that from James Franklin, um, I think that it makes it kind of even more interesting to see how they come out um, on Saturday, because um, if we see a, a team that comes out a little sharper, well, you know, we have something to trace it back to. Um, and I think overall this year, for the most part, Penn State has come out strong. Um, it's especially in those non-conference games. Um, it's just been that that second quarter. Um, I think that that has been a little bit more um, of the you know where the hiccups have been uh, right before the middle eight, uh, of course. Um, but I was very you know it was very interesting to hear that. Um, I think that you know, he talked a lot about Sean Clifford's leadership. Um, Clifford talking to the team about the importance of the bye week. Um, we'll see how that carries over. Um, I think that there's a sense of urgency. Um, I think some of that comes from Clifford as the sixth year guy who knows that this is it. Um, there's no, you know, other bonus year, you know, hiding somewhere in the paperwork. We don't think, uh, you know, we don't think the fine print will have him back for a seventh year. Um, and I think that that has kind of set the tone. Um, and that, uh, you know, I think that Clifford is trying to have the players follow his lead. And it sounded like from today that, that it's gotten through to the players. 
And we've heard it from from Salim Wormley and Kobe King over the course of, of Tuesday about uh, Sean Clifford's impact during the last couple of weeks. Um, we heard from Sean himself. And look, polarizing. And, and part of that is look at the way he started his career. Uh, look at the way he started these seasons as a starter in his career. 5-0 in 2019, 0-5 in 2020. 5-0 in 2021, 5-0 in 2022. There's just not a lot of in-between with Sean Clifford as we've witnessed across his career. And he's in start number 39 this Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll keep saying what we kept hearing from players, and it and it showed up in a big way early and often against Auburn from the first time he took a massive hit from Owen Papo. There's not a lot this guy hasn't seen on a college football field, much less in a big showcase setting within this conference. And J.J. McCarthy... Uh, for all the, the, the raving you can do about his skill set and the moments that he was able to play in and step up last year during a Big Ten championship run and into the college football playoff, this is a little bit new for him, preparing for a top 10 showdown as QB1 on the other side of this ball. I think with Sean Clifford, as usual, we'll be able to tell pretty early where he is mentally going into this matchup and, and emotionally going into this matchup through a, through a few series. Um, but you listen to his teammates, you hear James Franklin they are really excited to be able to roll into a matchup with a guy who's coming up on start number 40 at this level. I know fans are tired of hearing about that aspect. There's a major part of fatigue with the experience that he brings. But look, he does. And and I will say this. He doesn't know what it's like to be the starting quarterback for Penn State in front of a, a, a in front of a full crowd in Ann Arbor. They won in front of an absolutely empty stadium, an eerily empty stadium in 2020 as we were all sorting through COVID. Before that, any trips that Penn State made up, he was a backup quarterback. So in that way, this matchup is a little bit different for him. He's played Michigan twice at home, including a whiteout win where he played really well in the first half. But this is a test for him against the Wolverines defense that did lose talent, but still brings a lot to the table. I thought James Franklin said something interesting today when, when he was asked about Sean Clifford. And he said that kind of everything in Sean Clifford's career has been building up um, and, and leading up to this point. Um, I think that you know, like they say, these are the types of games that you you come to Penn State to play. These are also the types of games where when you have a 60 year quarterback, um, you want him to step up. You want him to to be the guy who is helping lead you uh, to a win or he's the guy who isn't making that back breaking mistake that that costs you a game. Um, so I think that Clifford, as usual, it kind of all starts with him. Uh, I think when you look at the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, if he is what we saw maybe against Auburn, um, early against Ohio, um, late against Purdue, Penn State has a great shot. Um, but if it's that third quarter against Purdue or if it's most of the Northwestern game, um, there's there's some cause for concern. Um, I think that, you know, we know where the floor is and we know where the ceiling is. Um, James Franklin seems to think that the the ceiling can be a little bit higher, um, I think, with with how things have developed. Uh, kind of the the trajectory of this team, um, but I thought that was kind of an, an interesting comment um, from from James Franklin. Uh, they always like to talk about one and zero, um, and about how you know every game is just as important as the last uh, because you have to win all of them if you want to get to where you want to go. But I think that was kind of to me. I read that as a little bit of a acknowledgement that this is a big game for Sean Clifford. Um, this is a big game for Penn State, um, and you know I. You don't want to go too far down the the legacy road and, and signature victory um, talk for Sean Clifford because there's going to be a couple more big games on Penn State's schedule this year. Um, but I think that this is kind of where Sean Clifford can put a stamp on the program. This is where he can take 
all of that experience that we've heard about um, and, and everything that we've seen, this is where he can put it all together and, and be a difference maker. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Penn State was able to escape some serious offensive lulls uh, from the Northwestern game. They gave up seven points to the Wildcats during the Central Michigan game. Central Michigan just didn't have the firepower to, to answer back. They got a bunch of takeaways. And in the Purdue game, some timely defensive plays there in the second half that, that kept Penn State uh, right there within striking distance. And Sean Clifford provided that strike late in the contest. But uh, when we look at this matchup, who will Sean Clifford be throwing the ball to? We don't know if Con- Keandre Lambert-Smith will be among them. James Franklin using the phrase hopeful when describing the status uh, for Saturday for the junior wide receiver. Started a bunch of games going back to his freshman year, third-year starter. Haven't seen much reflection in the production standpoint. He's fourth in the team right now with nine catches. Has one touchdown on the season, but he does bring some field-stretching ability that we don't see a ton of right now from the Penn State wide receiver core. And let's face it, um, for as deep as we collectively thought this unit could be and what we heard it could be, you don't see that on the box score to this point through five games. So if you're taking anyone out who has proven something at this level this season from the wide receiver group, that could be a concern. Um, we don't know where it stands with Keandre Lambert-Smith. He's got a few days of practice to maybe prove to the staff where he is, prove to the medical unit where he is. We know he was in some sort of uh, a supportive boot, it looked like, on his right foot exiting the game a couple Saturdays ago. They've had a bye week to heal up. Overall, it's a pretty healthy team, but because of what's happened at wide receiver, we got to monitor the situation. Harrison Wallace was the beneficiary against Northwestern. Didn't turn it into a bunch with the targets that he got, but he was at like 60 snaps after Keandre Lambert-Smith exited after the first couple snaps. So we'll keep tabs on that, Daniel. Um, but I think overall, the depth on this team, as James Franklin said, he's alluded to this during the offseason, feels like it's further ahead from where they've been in recent seasons. But now he doubled down on that a little bit and saying they're further ahead from a depth perspective within the season because of injuries, because of their own cultivation of talent than they have been in recent seasons. He's not going to tell us when the last season maybe he felt this comfortable with, if he ever has. But he said across the roster right now, he still feels as good as he did coming into the season. And when you get through five games and you're not crossing guys off the list um, because they're injured or because of otherwise, you're going to steadily feel like you're heading in the right direction. And, and I think he really loves what they have cooking right now in a lot of ways from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, I don't think James Franklin would, would have to tell us. I, I think we we all saw it last year uh, with what happened when Penn State lost a couple key guys in some key games, and, and we saw that the depth just wasn't there, um, wasn't ready, or whatever it may be, uh, to, to help that team along. Um, so I think that they did make the concerted effort. I think that this is kind of like what we talked about earlier with James Franklin switching things up a little bit with the bye week. 
Um, I think we've seen that in kind of some of the roster management this year um, when they've gone to the backups um, against in some of these early games, um, how they've rotated so many guys in, um, how they've used so many different combinations. Um, whereas it's not really a, it's not a straightforward uh, like first team for second team switch that there's been a lot of mixing and matching with like you'll have a true freshman playing next to a redshirt senior um, or something along those lines uh, at, at certain spots. So I think that Penn State and James Franklin have done a great job of getting the depth in a position um, to where I think that they feel comfortable with it. Um, I think this Keandre Lambert Smith uh, injury, if it lingers, could be one of the the first real tests for that depth. Um, you know, when you get to the number four, number five, number six spots on that wide receiver depth chart, are those guys going to step up or are we going to see the offense change with more two tight end sets, you know, leaning more on those tight ends, um, leaning more on, on the running game, maybe some more two back sets uh, to take one of those wide receivers off the field. Um, I think that that's something we're going to we're going to find out um, over these next couple of weeks. But, you know, James Franklin was searching for some wood to knock on um, when he was talking yeah. about the health. Um, you know, I think that that's that's a good move by him because that's been the the one thing that is kind of out of Penn State's control um, that I think has has worked in their favor so far. And, you know, injury luck is one of those things that uh, you can't really there's really no rhyme or reason for it. Um, you know, sometimes it hits you. It hit them last year. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, and you need you know, you need to be lucky uh, to win some games uh, the way that college football is now. So I think Penn State's in good shape from that depth perspective, from that health perspective. We're going to learn more about it uh, at a couple spots over these next few weeks. Uh, but right now you have to feel good about it. Yeah, I know you'll be keeping those binoculars handy uh, in the press box in Ann Arbor on Saturday morning uh, before that noon kickoff. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to from James Franklin today, uh, about as emphatic of, of a positive review of his offensive line. And I kind of use the emphatic word as, as tongue-in-cheek because in real time, it may not have sounded like much. He said, overall, I've been pleased and, quote, steps in the right direction for this team. But, Daniel, you've been at every single press availability that we've had, just as I have, with James Franklin dating back to the offseason. He's been very cautious to say anything about this offensive line unit. That included coming off of the performance at Auburn. So a little bit of a chance for him to digest things through five games um, and, and for him to take a little bit of a step forward of course, opening up himself up to some criticism if they don't come through against Michigan. This is where they're going to have to prove it, though. This is the big boys of the Big Ten, the defensive lines that are loaded with blue-chip talent that await them here in the coming weeks um, starting this Saturday. And this is where I believe that we're going to start to really peel back layers of this offensive line and learn if they've improved enough that we noticed through the first five games or enough that they could compete for a Big Ten championship. This was the first time that James Franklin really took that question head on. It feels like um, all the other times it was, um, you know, they got to prove it to me. You know, you guys, us, the media are going to tell James Franklin how they're playing. Um, so I think that that's a, a positive review. Um, I asked Sal Wormley this morning um, kind of about that. Have have they proved um, have they proved it to us yet? Do they feel like that? Um, he said they haven't. He said they still have. Um, a lot of things that they want to prove, a lot of things that they want to accomplish, um, which, you know, that's probably what you expect to hear uh, from a player and, and trying to keep that motivation up. But I thought that that was a good endorsement from James Franklin, especially going into a game um, against with a defensive line like Michigan, 
Uh, James Franklin highlighted Mozzie Smith, uh, the defensive tackle from Michigan, as someone uh, that they really have to keep an eye on um, that that is really important to Michigan's success. Um, So I thought that that was, you know, my ears kind of perked up on that because that's one of the things when you hear the question being asked, you can kind of, you might start to, you know, project what the answer is going to be. You you try to anticipate it, um, but he went in a little bit of a different direction. So um, I think it's, it's a big game for the offensive line this weekend, and they're going to be a unit um, with a lot of eyes on them in Ann Arbor. And they're five for five and having the same starting lineup this season. Not a lot of teams can maintain that consistency due to performance, due to health. We'll see if Landon Tengwall remains in con- command of that left guard spot or if he continues to cede uh, snaps uh, to 100 Norzad or perhaps J.B. Nelson. Uh, some questions to ask, uh, 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 some answers that we've gotten. Let's go through some of those. Um, hopefully we've had some chance to collect your thoughts before this. Um, we'll do a little, uh, kind of a rapid fire here and we can start with you. Three answers, Daniel, that you feel like you got from this Penn State program during their 5-0 start? The first one, to start with the defense under Manny Diaz. Uh, we knew it was going to be different based on how Brent Pry did things, how Manny Diaz did things at, at Miami and his other spots. Um, but you know, I wanted to know, can this defense be successful? Uh, can they force the disruptive plays that Manny Diaz uh, has been known for? And I think that we've gotten, we've gotten some answers on that. Um, I think that the defense has a really good baseline of competence, um, and I've been pretty impressed with how Manny Diaz has done things, uh, mixing and matching that personnel, giving young guys opportunities like Zaki Wheatley uh, to come in and, and make plays, uh, using a guy like Jair Brown, who is really talented um, and a you know pretty unique uh, safety, using him in different ways. So um, I had a lot of questions about the defense. I think they've mostly been answered. There's a couple things here and there, you know, turning some of those pressures into sacks, turning a couple more of those. Uh, PBUs and the INTs. Um, I think that could go a long way, but for the most part, uh, the defense. I think we. I think Manny Diaz has answered a lot of questions that that people had uh, coming in. That was one that I had. Uh, made more so that the takeaway talk was legit because you hear it every year. We want to force turnovers. We want to come away with a bunch of takeaways. Great. So does every single defense across college football. But when it's a new defensive coordinator, a new voice, maybe a new strategy in place, and you hear about that growing in the spring and then carrying on through the summer. Didn't see it necessarily right off the jump this season, but those numbers have piled up in a hurry uh, in the takeaways department. And I was with you, and I kind of had as a as a supplemental note there, the DB talk was legit too. I mean, the talk about this cornerback room being deep, about Johnny Dixon being essentially that third starter, um, that's all come to fruition here, the safety room being deep. Um, I'm going to go over from the defense because that was one thing I had uh, – the ground game is very much improved. I mean, there's no way around it. You've got these two freshmen serving as the catalyst. You've got this long distance breakaway threat in Nick Singleton. Uh, you've got kind of a steady Eddie runner in Catron Allen, who's getting the job done for you. And we've got to give it the tip of the cap to the tight ends who are involved in the blocking game. Uh, I guess uh, primarily Brenton Strange and then uh, across the offensive line. Again, a lot to prove in this regard, but there's no way you come out of these first five games, assess what we saw, look at the stat sheet, and think that there haven't been market improvements. This was a, an epic failure last year. Right now, you've got a couple freshmen averaging over 5.5 yards per carry. I think Nichols, Nick Singleton's approaching eight yards a pop. Definitely. I think the run game was somewhat, something that was at the top of the list all offseason. And uh, I think that you know they answered a lot of those questions. The, the fumbles popped up last week. But I think overall, you have to feel good about the run game. Uh, speaking of those uh, running backs, uh, Singleton and Allen, um, second answer uh, that I have, um, 
we heard a lot about this freshman class. There were high expectations coming in. Um, you know, we wanted to, there's talk that they could make a significant impact uh, with freshmen. You really have to see it uh, to know um, just given how the game is, what that jump is like. And I think Penn, I think the Penn State freshmen have, they've answered the bell. Um, they've answered any questions about their ability um, to contribute, um, what they're able to do. And it goes beyond Singleton and, and Allen. We've seen Drew Aller come in in a couple of big spots. Um, Abdul Carter, um, I think that when coming into the year, he wasn't at the top of the breakout freshman list. But I think at this point, uh, you know, he might be, you know, 1A and 1B with Singleton um, in terms of just the most impressive freshman we've seen. Um, so I think that was something that that has really stood out to me when I think about the questions that I had. All right, is this for real? Is this class of 22, all these five stars, all these really highly regarded guys, are they going to live up to the billing? And for the most part, as a whole, they have. Yeah, recruiting classes are built on optimism and hope, and then the games start, and you want to see what happens. And what has happened is they've burned six red shirts, not really out of necessity either. These guys have stepped up, earned their roles. Uh, and I think across the board right now, you're going to see more out of that list. Drew Aller is one snap away from burning his red shirt. Safety KJ Winston is one snap away. And that's my last answer that I'm going to get to here. Drew Aller, the question was, would he be good enough in the eyes of this coaching staff to make us talk about his presence on a weekly basis? Or would we put it pretty much be able to put him on the back burner as a developmental prospect in year one? Well, he came out of the seat out of preseason as the number two quarterback. He played in the first four games, flashed when he got opportunities. And yeah, we're talking about him on essentially a weekly basis, especially that last game week against Northwestern. So I think that was a question for me. Would it be kind of status quo with push Christian Veyer as the number two and then Drew Aller? We'd see what he looks like next winter. We're not waiting that long. And really at any moment, um, you know, if Sean Clifford gets hit in the wrong spot, something goes awry. Drew Aller could be the quarterback for, for a team with Big Ten championship aspirations. Did we miss one more answer from you? Mine stems from that and something that we touched on earlier. It was about the depth. Um, was this team going to be deeper than than last year's? Um, and Drew Aller is the perfect example. They needed to turn to the backup quarterback in a big spot on the road. Um, and Drew Aller delivered um, where Taquan Roberson didn't last year at, at Iowa. Um, so I think we've seen it with Abdul Carter getting run with the linebackers, how those defensive backs have rotated around um, with you know, going seven deep uh, on the offensive line. Um, I think that maybe the wide receivers, the depth hasn't quite been what we thought it is yet. But I think overall as a team, uh, you look at the options, you look at that, uh, the depth chart that we put together every every Friday, um, and you have to, you feel good about what you see, um, especially compared to last year. Obviously, if someone gets hurt, one of the, these key guys, that's when it'll get stressed. But I think right now, the way that Penn State is built, um, you know, they can withstand uh, a couple key uh, absences if things come to that down the stretch. And then quickly, I'll just give you all three of mine right here because we're up against it a little bit with time. Um, three questions that we still have coming out of that 5-0 and start coming out of the bye week. I'll just uh, circle back to something I just said a couple times. What is this offensive line going to look like moving forward against the big boys when you're facing first round NFL talent kind of defensive linemen, when you're when you're facing dynamic defenses that are built uh, over the course of, of strong recruiting cycles and that are led by million dollar coordinators? What is this offensive line going to look like? Will they hold up? Will they be able to close out games? Will they be able to keep Sean Clifford clean? Uh, that's a lot. That, that's a lot to ask of this group. And, and we're going to start to find out on Saturday. Will the explosion come in the passing game? It's missing right now. It's a missing component for this offense. It can't stay missing if they want to remain in the Big Ten championship hunt. 
Um, that's going to that's going to mean wide receivers stepping up on 50-50 balls. That's going to mean Sean Clifford dropping the ball in buckets with more consistency. And across the board, it's going to mean breaking some tackles, getting yards after the catch. Just not really an element of this attack that we've seen uh, flash consistently enough to give you hope uh, for having a, a completely balanced offense now that you have the run game involved. And then play kicking in tight games. I said it before, four of their losses last year in the Big Ten were by four points or fewer that's an extra point. That's a field goal. That's Jake Pinnegar, and the spotlight will be on him in Ann Arbor and every game moving forward as long as he continues to fill those shoes because he's had two bust games, and I should really include the whole place-kicking unit in that, but they've had a couple games where they busted, and it's only five-game sample size right now. That Those are not the odds you want to be working with with the schedule that Penn State has coming up. What do you want to finish this off right here with your three? Definitely. Um, I doubled up with you on the offensive line. Can they keep playing at this level? Um, we've seen guys bounce back from tough performances before. Uh, Caden Wallace had some shaky moments earlier, and he really seems to have gotten his feet under him um, and feels like a little bit less of a um, less of a, a liability, I guess, that he might have felt earlier this year. Find out a lot about those guys Saturday. Um, yeah. Stemming off one of my answers, looking at the freshmen, you know, can they avoid the, the so-called freshman wall? Um, this is going to be more games than a lot of them have played. Um, this is going to be, it's going to go deeper into this, into November, um, physical play of the big 10. Are they going to be able to hold up? Can you avoid, uh, those freshman mistakes too? Um, we saw Abdul Carter get caught out there a little bit against Northwestern, um, on kind of a weird play. Um, you know, can these freshmen not be a liability, uh, when you're going up against Ohio state, when you're going up against the big guns? Um, and then final question I have, can Sean Clifford win you, win you the big game? I think that that's kind of where everything circles back to um, with what we, you know, what we want to see from Sean Clifford, um, the ceiling of this team being tied to what its quarterback is able to do. Um, I think that you want to see Sean Clifford show up in the big game. You want to see him win you the big game. Cause if he's doing that, you're probably playing in Indianapolis uh, in December and you might have the chance to, to play in January. Oh, I've been asking that question on this podcast for four <laughs> seasons now, so I forgot it this time around, but you're right. It is absolutely a, a, at the top of the list for just about everybody paying attention to Penn State football right now because as Sean Clifford goes, the Nittany Lions go, and that's been the case for a while now. Uh, we'll be back with you a little bit later this week, Thursday. Full preview predictions. You'll hear from a Michigan Wolverines reporter all about that program. For now, we're stepping aside, hopefully give my voice a little bit of rest, come back stronger later in the week. Big thanks to Daniel and our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.